Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon and welcome back. My name is Michael Barth and this is the Porsche Cool Podcast. Owner stories again today. We are up to number 80. Number 80 and it's a good one. Today I have uh, Miguel. Miguel's joining me from San Francisco in the US and Miguel has had a lot of cars. Um, we're going to try and fit most of his story into the hour or so that we have today, but he's had a lot of cars, he enjoys his cars, uh, he tracks his cars, and he likes to mod his cars. Um, I think you guys are going to enjoy this one, so I'm not going to talk much more. Let me get Michael, Miguel, I should say, let me get Miguel on uh, Zoom, through Zoom, and let's start talking about his Porsche Cooled owner's story. Okay, welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to Porsche Cooled, and welcome back to Owner Stories. Um, so I am joined now, and it's taken a, a little while to organize this because I, I, I think I may have canceled on Miguel, but Miguel's here from San Francisco in the US. Miguel, thank you for joining me on the podcast today. No, it's, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure, Michael. Yeah, I've been, I've been a, a fan of yours for quite some time, about two years, I suppose. And it's quite impressive to see where you've come, where you've gone with this. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And I really do appreciate, I know you've been a supporter, you've been a supporter of the podcast through uh, Porsche Cooled on Patreon from, from, I think almost when I started it, I think you were very, very early as one of the first Patreons. So I really appreciate that. So thanks for, uh, thanks for the support there. It's been, um, it's been great. Yeah. No, In fact, I think it was January. I think it was like end of 2020 or January, 2021. I think you were one of the first ones. So we've got a bit of, a, just to let the listeners know, this is going to be uh We'll, we'll, we'll try to cover everything today, but Miguel has got like a, a very, I'd say a, you've got a really interesting history with with cars, with motorcycles, uh, you know, everything you've done to cars. And I, I want to try and cover as much as we can, especially, you know, the modding thing and then the Porsches, uh, Miguel. So I know there's a lot to go through, but let's just get straight into it. Um, let's just start at the, the first question I always like to ask about Porsche. Um Everyone knows what Porsche you have. It's in the title. Um, what is it? What is it about Porsche? What happened? What was it for you? When did Porsche start? Sort of, you started noticing Porsche. Was it when you were a kid? When you were growing up? Um, did anyone have one that you knew, or was it just something that you sort of started looking at later in life and, and started thinking, "Hey, I want to get one of those." Well, I think for me, and probably for quite a few of your your listeners, um, I'm 58 years old, so. Uh, growing up in San Francisco, the Bay Area, in California, the 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 whole import, European import, Japanese import scene, it just wasn't quite there yet in the 70s, which is when I was starting to notice vehicles. It was about hot rods and mu muscle cars, and those are the things that I grew up with. And so with that, I didn't see much Porsche. Okay. I mean, there were the... Porsches that would come in and out, you would see them, but it didn't really strike an interest to me at all because I grew up around Mustangs and and that sort of thing. Um, but you know, to get to the point, my first actual experience with Porsche was when I was in high school, okay. and I I was driving a Volkswagen Rabbit at the time, the um, the MK1 Golf, and it was a 1976 uh, Golf, and I remember going to a Volkswagen dealership for some reason. I don't know what it was. Um, and, <clears throat> excuse me, I noticed a auto shop very close to the dealership. And in this auto shop, 
it had some really interesting looking cars. Uh, I remember driving up and down the, the boulevard just to take take a look at what was in that garage. It was a small little, looked like a little performance shop, which we'll call a performance shop now. But back then it was just another garage. Right. And that's when I first noticed um, European vehicles. And one of them happened to be a Porsche and the other happened to be a Mercedes. Okay. Um, and it wasn't like any just Porsche Mercedes. These guys actually uh, did a lot of modifications. And it took, it took, um, took a few months of just prowling the area to finally stop in there and take a look at what was there. And they had two port. They had this Porsche. Apparently they owned it. It was, I remember it being red and had the wing on the back and very large tires on a lift. (laughs) And that's all I I really remember that. And this is, yeah. And this is when I recognized, or this is when I was first introduced to uh, the badging AMG and turbo. All right. Although I, I didn't know anything else about those cars. And again, this, this was around 1981, I, I would think, around 81. And so that was that was my very first uh that was my first impression of Porsche when I saw this vehicle and it just looked it I wasn't sure if it looked exotic or if it just looked very interesting. I'm, I'm not quite sure, but I do remember it had very large tires and it was sitting and um I pulled up into the into the into the lot one day and the guys came out and they were very nice and they were talking about the cars. And I remember him starting it up. He said, Yeah, want me to start it up? He ran inside, he got the keys, and I thought, oh, this is gonna be kind of cool. Uh, he started up the car and I was thinking, geez, this sounds kind of odd, you know, because I'm used to the V8s. Mm-hmm. I said, This is very odd. This is supposed to be something powerful. It just didn't strike me as anything much. But that would have been my first first impression with Porsche. Um, but my my first real experience in a Porsche was when I was working for Flying Tiger Airlines. I don't remember Flying Tigers, but it's now Federal Express. Okay. Um, and one of the one of the coworkers, I was driving a Carmen Ghia at the time. And this is during the this is during the early 80s when it was the California look. Uh, all the cool guys and cool girls had the lowered Volkswagen air-cooled Carmen Ghia's Volkswagens. And, and I had a Carmen Ghia that was pretty set up. And he said to me, hey, you want to check out my Porsche? I said, sure, why not? So lunch hour went outside, took a look at his Porsche. He popped open the hood and I thought, oh, okay, all right, whatever. It kind of looks like my Carmen Ghia. <laughs> He uh, does, the engine he? in the back. I know. Yeah, and he had, yeah, he had a, I believe it was, uh, it was an SC. So I don't remember what year that would be. Uh, it was a 911 SC. Right. And so. I remember him it w- being an SC because he yeah. said, well, it's not the S because the S is this and the SC is this. I thought, okay. Um, so we, uh, we got in the car and he took me for a ride and I was shocked. Uh, it was just noisy and, and just so raw sounding. And, and it was so small and compact from what I was used to in these with uh, a fast car. And that was my first experience. I thought, geez, this is just too outrageous. I, I can't, I could never drive in or own anything like this. It's, 
It's too aggressive. <laughs> so that was going from yeah. The, so that was going from your you, you're driving the Carmen Gear at the time, right? Which we'll get into, right? Right. And, and then you go into the SC. So there's quite a big difference, right? It is that. Well, thing I wasn't with, driving. Yeah. Yeah, you're a passenger. Yeah, but the Carmen yeah. Gear, the Carmen Gear is that. I mean, I you know fondly remember the Carmen Gear, like always wanting one. Um, yeah. Because they kind of did look like a Porsche, you know what I mean? They were sort of like they're always reminiscent of a Porsche, weren't they? But let's just get, let's just yes. get into that cast into your car history because we've already touched on it with the, with the Carmen Gear. And just so the listeners know, you you've and you told me this in your messages. You know, you've had a long history in, in, in motorsports in, in like driving and track days. Um, did you say you've held a, you've had a couple of racing licenses? You you know you do the track and you've owned how many cars? Have, did you tell me you owned about forty cars in total? I've, yeah, I've, um, I've wasted my money <laughs> on about 40 cars and probably just as many motorcycles. Yeah. You, I think you told me <laughs> usually 30, I buy something. Yeah. 35, right? Uh, at least 35 motorcycles or yeah, at least and cars very, very similar in, in that amount, but were registered under my name. It's not just. It's not just um, it's not just owning the cars, though. I mean, the fact that you do so much to these cars, and I want to get into that so the listeners, you know, really understand what you've been doing. You know, through your whole life, really, you've just been you've been modding cars, you've been, you know, tweaking cars. Even with your current Porsche today, you're still you're still tweaking it, right? Or you have tweaked it to the point where it is it's pretty good. And and we're going to talk about that because it is a Tiptronic. Um, and I want to talk about that side of it because we've had lots of conversations about Tiptronics on the podcast before. But what are some of those, you know, you sent me a list and I, I said to you before we started recording, I think one is missing because I, I did a search online for, you know, um, I just tell the listeners your Instagram is at CalSpeed. So if, you, if the listeners want to go to <clears throat> Instagram and it's at CalSpeed, C-A-L Speed, have a look at Miguel's um, Instagram and you'll see some of his cars on there. Um, or just do a search for, uh, I think Miguel told me you just do a search for, uh, was it Calspeed Datsun, Miguel? Is that what you told me? You can say Calspeed, yeah, you can say Calspeed Datsun or Calspeed Porsche. And, um, I was given that nickname, Calspeed, back in the 90s. And it, it, it sort of stuck. Yeah, yeah it's a good. Sort of stuck. It's good. It's good. And a lot of things come up. A lot of things do actually come up. Um, and you should, I just want the listeners to do that and have a look at that as well, because I think they'll find it really, really interesting. But let's go to that car journey, Miguel, before we get to the Porsches, those standout cars. And I want you to include the, the Datsun that you didn't include, if there's something else you didn't include. So what are the ones that, I mean, we talked about the Carmen Gear. What, what sort of car was that? What, did you do a lot of work to that one as well? Well, the Carmen Gear was probably my fifth car, fifth or sixth car, somewhere around there. Okay. And yes, I did do a lot of work on it. Uh, prior to that, I had the Volkswagen, uh, Volkswagen Golf. And then following, uh, just prior to the Carmen Gear, um, geez, it's hard to say. It might have been a Toyota <laughs> Celica. But okay. I don't quite remember. But when I had when I picked up the Carmen Gear, and it was because uh, one of my friends in high school, he was very much into the the new Volkswagen. Uh, um, I guess the customizing of the of the uh, air cooled Volkswagens, right. and he introduced me to his Carmen Gear, and I thought, wow, that's a good looking car. I mean, it's he says, yeah, well, it's not very fast, but it looks really good. And I thought, yeah, well, I don't really need fast, which is what I thought. Right. Um, so I picked up, the, I picked up a 1972 Carmen Ghia. 
And immediately I pulled the motor. And well, first what I did was I I did the I, I lowered the car. I changed this, I changed the front suspension to an adjustable uh, height suspension and and then that wasn't enough. Then I changed the exhaust. I put, you know, the big tires in the back and the skinny tires in the front and cruising around and people want to race me on this tree. <laughs> and here I am in a, in a 1600cc Volkswagen car. Yeah. So then all of a sudden the motor comes out and it became a, I think a, a, a 1776 with dual Delordos carburetors and camshaft and everything and it became very fast it was, it was a fun straight line car and so I, I cruised around in that for a while until um it started uh, it, it has always been re- reliable but the problem was um certain girls wouldn't want to go out with me in that <laughs> carmen gear it was just not a really? very nice car to go out in <laughs> so i ended up buying something else they were under the radar for a while where they weren't there. There was the Common Gear, and I've talked about it before. Yeah. Is it the Fastback? The VW Fastback? Right. The, the Fastback also. Which I, I always like the look of that. Type 4, Type yeah, 3, I always, Type 3, I think. Yeah, I always like the look of that yeah. one. Yeah, that's a nice that's a car. Yeah, it's a nice one. What was the What was the first memorable car then? If the Common Gear wasn't the first one, it was just the first on my list. What was the first memorable car that you owned then? Well, the first, of course, the first car would have been a Volkswagen, uh, Volkswagen Rabbit. <clears throat> and right. that would have been memorable because it's my first car. My, my, I, I got that when I was a junior in high school. <clears throat> and uh, at that time, the modding scene had, was not quite there uh, right. for, for imports. And so basically all I did was I painted the bumpers and the wheels black and I put big hella lights on the bumper <laughs> you remember those big lights like the yeah. rally lights well yeah. the rally thing was sort of sort of the thing back in the 80s and i put the big rally lights on there and i hooked it up to a to my battery to a switch in my car and i remember that switch catching fire because i didn't know anything about running relays and all this kind of stuff but that was my my first car um the car didn't catch on fire but the switch did catch on fire and i was able to put it out <laughs> It was silly. Um, and so actually my first memorable car, something that really uh, made an impact for me was probably my Datsun Roadster. Okay. Uh, and this was in the late 90s. And it, the Datsun Roadster, it was a 1967 Datsun Roadster 2000. Uh, the, it, amongst the Roadster folks, they called it 19, 1967 and a half. Because it was a half of year vehicle, uh, they made one thousand of these vehicles. Uh, five hundred for do- the domestic market, and five hundred went to the United States, Canada, and I assume maybe maybe elsewhere in the world. And so I had—I actually don't remember them. You know what I mean? Like I saw the shape of your yeah. car. I saw the images just before. I I I don't think they were in Australia. I don't know. I could be wrong, but I don't remember them. It, there, there's quite a few in Australia now because I know there's a large, large uh, contingent of, of Dots and Roadster fans out there. Um, but the 2000 was actually a very important vehicle because that's when they really bumped up the horsepower and uh, it, it paved the way to the Fairlady. Oh, because, okay. you know, right? Yep. So I, I had that vehicle and 
it was a matching numbers beautiful car and mm. and and so I, I I put that together and I and I did a lot of modifications to it, but I did the period correct modifications, which is what I like to do. Tried to keep a period correct. And I was able to acquire lots of, of the Nismo parts. And and that's when I first started racing and doing track days. Oh, okay. With that vehicle. So the Datsun, the Datsun 2000, it's in baby blue, isn't it? Can I yeah. call it baby blue? Yes. I yes. mean, it's they a beautiful it's, looking car. It's so 60s yeah, it looking. It's called blue. It mm-hmm. looks very yeah. 60s looking. It's got that roll bar behind the seats, right? It's got, is that the roll bar? Yes. Was that, so was that the first car where you started playing with modifications? Is this what started getting you into that, getting that mod bug in your head and starting to, to play around with cars more? Um, well, no, I, again, I played with cars from the very beginning, but this was the first car that I started taking uh, suspension seriously. Okay start to really pay attention to performance and suspension and and not just not just the looks of the vehicle or or the engine of the vehicle it was more about how the car handled and this is when i started doing that and that was your first so that was your first real track car that was the first car you took on yes the track. yeah that was the first car i've ever taken on the track so how and long it, it, how long did, sorry mark miguel how yeah. long did it take you to um to get that sorted for the track? How many times did you have to like do these track days before you get it to the point where you were happy with it? How many years or months did it take you? So my tr- my first track, the first time I ever I was ever on the track was in 1997, and it was <clears throat> the first track day I ever took I, I ever I ever did, and um, I was invited to come to the track by the Pantera Club okay, in San Francisco. There was a group of owners, they owned Panteras. Right. And I was invited to attend uh, an event with them. <clears throat> and the, the club was called CSRG. It was, I'm sorry, CFRA, Checkered Flag Racing Group. Right. And it was a bunch of guys with Panteras and, and there's some, there were some BMWs there and, and some Corvettes and, and here I am with the Datsun. <laughs> I went out there and I had a lot of fun with those guys. And they were really good people. And they, and that's when I first learned about uh, about driving on a track. The next time I was on a track, I had some suspension modifications, and and then I, little by little, the car turned into a more track focused vehicle. Right. So let's let yeah. tell me about the other cars, the other standout cars. I'm interested to know about. I mean, I can see that you've had you know on the list that you gave me. There's a couple of Mercedes there. And there's also the yes. BMs. I mean, BMs, constant thing, BMs and, and Mercedes with people that eventually get into Porsche. Tell me about the, tell me about the Mercedes. What is the, so you had a C63 and you had a 500E. Is that, the 500E is very special, right? Right. Yeah. So I, I had a 500E at a 1993 500E. Wow. Um, nice. I was looking for something a little bit unique and I was able to find one for a really good price. Uh, actually. I had a another Mercedes prior to that. It was a two, was a two eighty S. It was a nineteen seventy two eighty S that right. was fully restored. It was a fully restored vehicle that I purchased in Arizona, and I drove that for a while, and I realized it really wasn't what I wanted. So I, I was at the gas station, and this guy pulled up to me and said, "Hey, that's a nice looking Mercedes." 
uh, are you going to sell it? And I said, well, I, I was thinking about selling it, actually. I said, oh, yeah, possibly, possibly. And he offered me a price. Right. I said, sure, why not? <laughs> so I sold it for $8,700. Virtually, really? I was pretty happy because I only paid, I paid, I think, maybe $4,000 for this car. Right. And all I did was just clean it up. And so I was pretty happy with it. So now I'm looking for another project. And I came upon a 500E. So I, I bought a 500E, I think, for maybe $7,800. Okay. It was quite cheap. Very cheap now. Uh, it, it had 260,000 miles on it. Wow. And it was, it was a good, good running car. And, and the wiring harness had been replaced. I know that was a big thing. And I remember that. And I didn't realize it was a, an issue. But he explained to me, yeah, the wiring, is, the wiring harness has been replaced. So I thought, oh, okay. Um, but otherwise, I, I drove that around for a while. I and I and I cleaned it up. It had the phone in the, uh, in the center console, and it, it was just a beautiful, beautiful, solid vehicle. And and then I redid the suspension on that. I took the air suspension out, and I put I put uh, I think it was HR springs on that car, and I put different Bilstein shocks on there, and it became a nice handling car, but. Yeah, I drove that for a couple of years and then I ended up selling it to a, a gentleman in New Jersey. In New Jersey. Did you take that one to the track? So that was the no, track. No, I as well? didn't. No. And the reason there was a period where I had to lay off the track for a while because I, I was having kids. Okay. Fair I enough. had some babies. And so because of that, I just did not have time to go to the track. And and so with that car, I um I just took it to a lot of car shows. Yeah. Fantastic. I had some fun with it. Took it on yeah, road it's a nice trips car. and it's a beautiful and car, car shows. Yeah. They're yeah. worth a lot more today, that's for sure. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. I, I don't remember what I sold it for, but it was it was maybe ten thousand dollars. And that wasn't that long ago. That was only in twenty sixteen. Oh really? So tell the listeners yeah, about the BMWs. What about the BMWs? So you 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 know you've had the V you've had the Carmen, you've had an early Volkswagen, you've had the Mercedes. A couple of Mercedes, and now you're into the the BMWs. They fit in there as well. How did you enjoy it? Were, were they enjoyable? Did you like the BM? Well, yeah, the BMWs. Yeah, the BMWs came prior to the Mercedes. Um, it was my way of entering into something a little bit more luxurious and a little bit more reliable uh, and comfortable for the children. So, I, yeah, I've had I had a couple '90s three series. I've also had a an 80s five series BMW. And um, I think my standout would have been the BMW 2800 that I had. The BMW 2800. What is that? I'm, yeah. I'm not familiar with that. Which one is that? Yeah, I had, I had a BMW 2800. It, it's, it was the not the 2800 two-door csi or the oh, cs okay. Okay. but it was the 2800 that looked like the bavaria you okay the bavaria yes i do i do yeah. yes and so it was a four it was a four-door uh bmw 2800 which is quite rare actually um and so i had one of those and those, those were my bmws that i had uh unless i had something else i don't quite remember um but then it turned into Mercedes. I, I picked up a, I picked up a C32 
Mercedes. Nice. When my when my son was born, I picked up a five year old C thirty two. Nice. And that was a fun car. That was, yeah. That was my first performance. That was my first AMG. See, so already like, already the listeners can see you've had a, you, you've had some great cars. You know what I mean? There's so many more, and you've yeah, had some great cars. What's another one before we get into the first Porsche? Is there another one you want to tell the listeners about? Another yeah. memorable one? Yeah, well, uh, before the first Porsche. Um, you had a Miata as well, right? You know, then it became kind of, well, that came later on. That okay. did come quite a bit later on. But I think uh, the C32, then, the, then I started to need the SUV thing because with three kids and in-laws and road trips <laughs> and vacations, Disneyland, that, that sort of thing. It, the cars took a backseat, became SUVs. I had, you know, the big seven seaters, and the, you know, the Nissans and, uh, that, and the GLs and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> it just, you know, a dad car. You you still had a lot of fun with the cars. Is this is when you you were a firefighter at that stage? You were you were a firefighter in San Francisco, right? Yes. So yes. you've got a bit of spare time. You've got unusual hours, and you can you can tweak you know tweak these cars and take them on the track and then just enjoy them. Yes, that that's true. Actually, I I would bring my cars to the firehouse, and on slow days, I'd <laughs> I'd have the car. Uh, on jack stands and i'd be working on the car all day <laughs> really and the guys would look at me because you know they, they'd come out come out and they'd look at me and say Are you sure you're gonna be able to get that thing back on the road by the time your shift ends <laughs> i say, yeah don't worry about it don't worry about it I'll get it back now. how many yeah. times did you get interrupted how all many night. times did you get interrupted for a call out and you've got well, to leave being, it on the stands and and, and rush off well, being a big city San Francisco fire department, yes, that yeah. happened a lot. Yeah, yeah, it happened a lot. The calls would constantly come in, and boom, you you're out. But yeah, yeah, no, I, I had a lot of fun um, working on cars in a firehouse because there was always a guy out there that wants to learn or is willing to help. Yeah, it's good fun. Yeah, it's good yeah, fun. Yeah. yeah so yeah, let's yeah. let's everyone's waiting for it. The first Porsche. Yeah. When did so that my hap- first Porsche? When did it happen, and 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 what was it? So. So the first Porsche was, it was, so I had the Datsun Roadster and it was a two seater. It was fine, you know, for my first daughter, she was about, you know, she was born in 99. So we drove that thing around for a while and she was in a passenger seat and suddenly number two daughter came along. So I thought, okay, well, this is not going to work out anymore. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to need to, I'm going to need to get something else. So I sold the Datsun for a pretty decent price. I was very happy. And I saw a 911. I never thought about buying a Porsche, never thought about it. And I saw the 911 on, on, um, on what they call the auto trader. Do you remember the auto trader? It was yes. like a, a paper publication. Yep. I saw it. And this is in 2003, maybe 2002, 2003. And so I thought, Oh, it has back seats. I can throw a back a car seat in the back and I can take both my, my daughters out. Well, that didn't work out. I bought the car. I, I, I made an appointment to look at the car. He drove over to uh, the Presidio, which is a area near the Golden Gate Bridge. We met in the Presidio and he says, have you ever driven a Porsche before? I said, no, I have not. I said, he says, okay. I said, I've driven a lot of sports cars. 
um, but I've never driven a Porsche. He says, okay, well, let's go take a drive. So it was a 1985 Carrera and it was completely original. It was, I think, smoke silver or champagne. I forgot what the name and the color was. Might have been champagne. And it was a convertible. It was a it was a ragtop. So I thought, okay, we took it, we took it for a drive. And immediately I thought, geez, what's wrong with this car? <laughs> the the front end feels so light, it just doesn't yeah. seem right. You know, I, I drove it around a corner quickly and I let off the gas a little bit and it started to understeer. And I thought, geez, what what's going on? Mm. And so it was a beautiful car, and I bought it anyway. And I, I think I paid twenty four thousand dollars. I think Fantastic. that's what it was, right? And so I asked him. I said, "Why are you selling the car?" He says, "Well, I'm buying a new Porsche, and I and I can't have two, so that's the reason how I got it." Um, but that car, immediately once I got that car, I started to work on it. I brought it to a performance shop here in San Francisco. It's a very popular shop. It's called S Cargo in in the North Bay across the Golden Gate Bridge. Right. I dropped it <clears> off to them, and uh, and I said, you know, I, uh, what do I need to do to this car to make it a little bit feel better because it just doesn't seem right. Mm-hmm. And they said, okay, well, we're going to corner balance it and do all these different things to it. And they worked on the car. And it was a fantastic car. Had some great great drives with it. Was it six speed, Miguel? It was. Yes. Yes, it was. I actually or, saw. I actually speed five, five, five speed. speed. Five speed. Sorry, five, five speed. speed yeah. yeah, I actually saw it. I actually did see an image of it because I did a search like you told me to do for cow speed Porsche, and it came up. Yeah. Um, and I think you were on a road trip. It came up in some image of you taking a road trip in that car. Yeah, I, I took it on quite a few trips. I as soon as I purchased it, I I took it up to Canada for a road trip and for a marathon. I was doing a marathon up there, and then I came back to San Francisco, and then I I. I Took quite a few trips in it. It was in such good condition that actually, that's when I first joined the Porsche Club of America. And I actually won a prize. I won third place in a PCA event, the San Francisco Region PCA event. And I was pretty shocked that I I won, but it was in such good condition. Uh, The car actually was owned by a manager at one of the Porsche dealerships in San Francisco the Bay area. And so it was a special import from what I understand. Oh, right. So how long did you have that car for? I had that car for, uh, probably two years, two years. And the reason I sold it was because it just wasn't the right family car. Family car. Right. <laughs> understand. Yeah, it, understand. it just didn't work. I, I was hoping that it would work out, but it really didn't. And once my daughter started getting a little bit larger, getting a little bit older you know she was about three years old now i thought no, i can't i can't have this car it's not going to work out and so i bought an yeah i bought an m5 yeah i oh, bought an m5 <laughs> i bought an m5 <laughs> how does yeah, that make sense I, yeah, I traded <laughs> I, I traded it in for an m5 a used m5 it was a 2000 m5 the e39 chassis uh i traded in the car oh. i was kind of desperate i really did need to make make the change and i remember getting only seventeen thousand dollars for the carrera wow it only had yeah it only had maybe thirty six thousand miles on it it was a very low mileage car yeah it's a lot different today of course yeah 
yeah, yeah, yeah. And boy, I tell you, it really broke my heart. And and at and it was at that time I knew that one day I would love to have a Porsche again. I just didn't know how it was going to happen, well, but I, I really wanted another one. So I went through a series of vehicles after that. You did, yeah. I was going to say though, from the 1985 yeah. Carrera, you know, into an M5, <clears throat> it could be worse. You know what I mean? It could be worse. The M5 was a great car. Is is the M5 though? I want to ask the question. You know, because you're a previous owner of one, are they really expensive to maintain? Because you hear the horror stories about that. Was it the? This is the 2000 M5. Was it around the 2000? Yes, it was a 2000. Year was 2000. it very expensive to maintain? <clears throat> So I'll tell you because I don't keep my cars for that long. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, so it's cheap. I, I couldn't answer that. I couldn't answer that correct, correctly. But I, I, yeah, I picked up the vehicle and it did have a lot of electronic glitches. That is absolutely for sure. Uh, it was a very good car. The motor train was fantastic. It was, it was just a solid vehicle. Uh, it, it was definitely the, the quickest car I had ever owned. That vehicle really it was. Yeah, I mean, being uh, speaking like a young hooligan, it was easily it was easy to get rubber in third gear in that car. Wow! I mean, it, that's how powerful it was. It was just an amazing car. Uh, I had it for a little while. Then, in two thousand seven, two thousand eight, you know, the whole financial thing started yes. happening. Yes. Um, and. I wanted to get into a house. You know, I wanted to get into a house. I mean, I had a house, but I wanted to get into something bigger. Yeah. And so I sold the car. I got rid of the BMW. And I basically just had a pickup truck for a little while. And once things settled, I got into another bigger house in San Francisco. And now I had number three child. <laughs> And so a Porsche wasn't going to happen again. Now now my daughters are, yeah, daughters are about eight years old. And now, now another kid came along. And so uh, the Porsche thing was not going to happen anytime soon. Uh, And that's when the C32 came along. And then I eventually purchased the C63. Okay. So a lot of Mercedes in there. A lot of, you like the Merc, you like the Mercedes Benz because they're a good performance car. You like the AMG type Mercedes Benz. Right, and it had it had seats in the back. For and it has kids. seats in the back as well, but it's still right. got the power. You're still after those drivers' yes. cars, aren't you? You're still after those. You're after that speed. You still want the speed. You want the power. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I did. I, I did want that. And the C63 was a fantastic car. Uh, it was a 2013. It was a very special car, actually. Uh, it happened to be the P31 package, which had the t- the titanium internals. Okay, and. Uh, it, it was a really nice car. Um, it had the special, they called it the Designo yes. interior package, yes. uh, which nice. was like a, a, ye- a yellow tan interior package. And the car was a dark blue. So it really stood out. And I love to detail my cars. I love to really prepare it for show. I, I, I've been showing cars since the 80s. And so when I had this vehicle, I, I, Got underneath the chassis and I cleaned everything up. I, mean, I polished the uh, the stainless pipes, the exhaust. I cleaned every under the wheel wells. I really cleaned there with probably maybe three to four hours per wheel well. I mean, really got into it. And I took I took 
uh, a couple of prizes in Monterey Car Week. Oh, great. In the concourse. Yeah, wow. really. Yeah. So I won a couple of prizes in modified Mercedes in the Legends of Audubon. Oh, cool. Uh, and so my son, Marcus, he grew up with this car. Basically, he grew up with the AMG and he loved it. We took a lot of road trips in it. But I secretly wanted a Porsche. Okay, I really wanted a Porsche. Let's let's and, let's jump forward. I know there's lots, probably yeah, lots of other yeah. cars in between. Yeah, lots of motorcycles. Is. I mean, because you, you're into motorcycles, because you still you have um, the motorcycle shop, right? You told me. Yes, in yes, San Francisco. San Francisco. Shop. San Francisco. Yeah, it was shut down for COVID. The city shut it down uh, during during the COVID thing, and um, but yeah, that's a long story. And then oh. rent prices went out of out of control. I bet so. they did. <laughs> I'll just yeah. tell the listeners anyway, though. It, I'll tell the listeners though, uh, Miguel. It's called so. It's called CalSpeed Auto. CalSpeed. Uh, CalSpeed Moto, right? Yeah, CalSpeed, CalSpeed Moto. Moto. Yeah, CalSpeed.com. CalSpeed.com. CalSpeed. Yeah. Um, but so, uh, yeah, with with the Porsche. So I, I I secretly wanted a Porsche, and I would talk to my son often. I say, Hey, Marcus, what do you think about that car over there? And he'd look at it, and he knew what I was thinking. He says, yeah, it's okay. It's okay. I said, well, you know, it's a Porsche. Let me tell you about it. Let me explain <laughs> to you what a Porsche is. You know, your dad had a Porsche once. Uh, but he wasn't having it because he loved the Mercedes. Right. Uh, it was just a fantastic car. So finally, when he was nine years old, I said, hey, Marcus, let me tell you a story. So your dad, long time ago, when he was a young man, <laughs> he had a Porsche. Right. And all of a sudden, your your sisters were born. And uh, you know, I had to talk to him in that way. And he listened and he listened. And then two days later, he said, Dad, if you want a Porsche, you can start looking at them. <laughs> I, I took that as a let's go. So I told my wife, I said, Hey, um, I'm thinking of getting a Porsche. Marcus says it's okay. She goes, okay, well, go ahead. If you can sell your car, you then let go ahead. And so I... What I do you start that. looking for, though? Because you've had a lot of experience with fast cars. You've had a lot of experience with track day. You know, you want to... I'm guessing you still want to do those track days, right? So is there something, you you know, you're talking to your son about it, Miguel. Is there something in your mind that you think I'm going to start looking for? Or does just a car just come across... You just come across a car and you go, okay, that will work. Well, I came across a Miata while I had the uh, the C63. Um, again, a very special Miata because it was owned by a designer that worked with Tom Matano, the guy who designed the Miata. Yes. They worked side by side. Wow. And so I'm, I purchased this guy, this car from this guy. And he says, yeah, you know, I used to work with Tom. He signed the car and this and that. And I thought, okay, I don't know, whoever Tom Matano was. I just saw the Miata <laughs> and I wanted to get into a little sports car. Yeah. So I ended up spending a lot of money on that car. And I really built that car up. And I did some track events with that vehicle too. Um, but it just wasn't there. It, the power wasn't there for me. So I, I was looking for a Porsche. I did not know what I was to look for. I've been so out of the game on Porsches. I didn't know anything about IMS. I didn't know anything about bore scoring. I, nothing, I knew nothing about Porsches because I don't like to tease myself if I can't buy one. Yeah. So now all of a sudden I'm online, I'm looking for different cars. And, and so one day I you know, dropped my kids off at school or dropped my son off at school and immediately went to the dealerships to look at cars and 
I looked at a 997 Targa. And I thought that's pretty nice. You know, they wanted this is in 2018. Yep. And they 2019 it was in 2019. And they I think they wanted $42,000 for it. I thought, okay, that's fine. And then they had another 997 in the back. It was a, it was a Carrera. They looked yep. at that. It was kind of beat up. Some of the panels were loose. And I thought, okay, well, it looks good, but it's not quite what I want. So I went to another dealership. And being in the Bay Area, we're really lucky because we have five dealerships wow. in this general area. It, it's, it's pretty good. So I went to another dealership, and they had, um, they had the turbo sitting in the lot. But it was at the Mercedes-Benz dealership, right? And But the Porsche dealership was right next door. It was under the same umbrella company. Yes. And so I looked at it and I thought, wow, this is a good looking car. And they wanted $64,000 for it. But it was a Tiptronic. <clears throat> now, I wanted a, I wanted a manual. You wanted yeah, a they manual? wanted $64,000. What year, Miguel? And it was a Tiptronic. It was a 2008, so it was a 997.1. And what year were you? Did you find this? What year was it? How long ago? I forget. In 2019. 2019. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, November 2019. They wanted $64,000 for the car. It was a Tiptronic. I drove it around. It was nice. Uh, I wanted a manual, but I thought, you know, my wife also wants to drive it, and she had a commute from San Francisco to Silicon Valley. Okay. So I thought this would be easy for her because she does not, you know, she doesn't drive stick, and that way she can enjoy the vehicle as well. Yeah. And so I looked at it. I thought, okay. So I thought, you know what? I'm out here. I'm going to go to another dealership. So I went to another one about 30 30 miles away, and I saw a really nice uh, 4S. It was a 2009 4S, and they wanted 54000 56000 for it. Okay. And it was absolutely beautiful, but I even made an offer on the car. I actually made an offer, but there were some bad things happening with the salesperson and me and the way they played. Uh, they were playing around with me, and so right. I just pulled my offer, and I walked away after two hours. <laughs> I finally just walked away yes. and I went right to the other dealership and I walked and I paid and I purchased the, uh, the turbo for $55,000. 55. So they bargained down 55. Yeah. 55. And they gave me uh, a very good price for my C63. Oh, that's good. That's good. So tell Which, them- they were very happy to get the C63. Because I bet they were. Mercedes- Mercedes-Benz dealership. Ah, right, right. So they were getting yeah. into the Porsche. It was a low-mileage getting... C63, yeah. Uh, so it made sense for them to do that. They, they worked yes. it out. Tell the listeners, it Miguel. worked out really well. Miguel, tell the listeners exactly what you bought, um, the color, the options that you knew that came with the car, um, and if there was anything on the car that was put on the car by the previous owner, any other options or anything. Okay, so, well, the car actually had an interesting history because I, I tried to do some research on it, and I was the fifth owner. I was okay. actually the fifth owner of this vehicle. Um, the car was was initially sold in Texas, and then it looked it was sold in Texas, and at approximately thirty eight thousand miles, it was 
uh, it ended up in North, North Dakota. And for the next three owners, I don't know what happened. I think it just went from one dealership to another. Right. Uh, when I finally purchased the car, it only had 42,000 miles. So I'm not okay. sure exactly what happened. But yeah, I was the fifth owner of the vehicle. Uh, and it was completely original. So yeah, it was not modified at all. Not modified at all. So what no, were the, no, the so what were the key options of it? It was a so it's a 2000 and yeah, it's a 2008 Tiptronic, um, and it had the sports chrono package. It had the full leather the full leather package, um, and the sports seats. So I think the 16 way sports seats. I think that's what it's called. Uh, and also has the multi-function steering wheel, which is, you know, kind of gadgety, but that's what it came with. Um, yeah, and that's that's pretty much it. Yeah, and so it, it had a it had a sticker of one hundred thirty-five thousand dollars. So wow. it was a that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah, and look, we're going to talk about it because we're going to talk about the Tiptronic side of it, um, and we know a lot of people are Tiptronic haters. Um, I'm not a hater of Tiptronics at all. I just don't know much about them. Um, we have spoken about it on the podcast before, and you probably heard about it when someone was telling me about the – when I read that article about the 993 Tiptronic. It was an article that I found on 911 UK forum here in the UK, and it was an old link, and it had all these links to all these 993 resources because I was doing a search for 993s, Michael, and it was about driving a Tiptronic, how to get the best out of driving a Tiptronic and how it's – got a certain program and you once you get it on the track the tiptronic program actually reacts differently um and you know i want to tell the listeners that you gave me that you know you you said to me in your in your message that you know you use this car and this car you use on the track just tell the listeners about the about the transmission and how it how it performs on 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 the track because you you use it as a tourer you use it as a daily you know as you said it's great because your wife can drive it and you also enjoy it on the track and i've seen the photos it looks like you're having a great time yeah, I do. Well, I, I definitely first, first and foremost, the the Tiptronic is is certainly nothing like a a manual transition transmission or a PDK. I mean, it is. It's it's generational. It's an it's a, at the time it was state of the art. It was a very good transmission. Um, on the C sixty three. It had the Chiptronic, and that was a 2013. Now, this is five years older. But with the C63, I was very impressed with the Tiptronic because it I could it would really learn my driving patterns, and it would adjust accordingly. Right. So I assumed that the Porsche one would as well. But it is five years older, so it is a little bit slower in how it, in how it shifts. But without there's no doubt about it that once you start driving it on the track if you just leave it in drive you don't even have to put it in manual but you leave it in drive and it really knows how to it it, it knows what you're going to do it 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 senses the braking that you're doing and it throws it down a gear or two gears right before you get into the turn so yeah it does learn it does learn the shifting patterns and it does learn the driving style again it's 
Sorry, it's not Miguel. like a manual. Yes, it's yeah. not like a manual, right? But does it feel different? Like when no, you're just it's not driving, like a when you're just driving it around San Francisco, though, when you're just driving it around town and not going so fast, do you notice the transmission being the Triptronic being a little bit more sluggish, a little bit more dopey than than say when you're no. on the track and you're you're in the higher rev range and you're yeah. really pushing the car? Okay, so the the transmission wants to i think it's programmed to save as much gas as possible it does <laughs> upshift it shifts right. up shifts up so i may be driving at 25 miles an hour and it'll throw it into third gear right right it starts in second gear and it'll go into third gear yep. and if i'm very light on the gas pedal i could find myself in fourth gear so okay. yeah it does that and i think it's programmed to do it to save gas um <clears throat> but otherwise if you just keep it in manual if, if i keep it in manual shifting i'll just leave it in second or third gear and i'm good all the way up until the highway right right yeah no there, i i don't find anything sluggish about it at all actually it's quite convenient for me being in san francisco it, it's kind of nice i don't i know i'm not gonna have to worry about clutches or, <laughs> exactly all or, the hills or someone coming up right <laughs> behind me on a hill yeah yeah good good point actually good point but no but, cer but certainly i would much prefer a manual but the p uh, but the um the tiptronic is not a bad option would you i don't want to get into what you would get next yet i want to talk i want yeah. to keep talking about the 997.1 turbo right and mm -hmm. it's got a great engine we all know the engine is fantastic it's the metzger engine it doesn't have the ims issues as mm -hmm. my 997 could possibly have um you know Turbos are great. Marco, uh, my friend in Sydney, has a turbo and it's, he has the manual and, and I've been in it and, and the boost from that turbo is just amazing. Like it, it's just so fast. Um, it's so fast when you're sitting in that car and you just, when he just floored it. But tell me about what you've done to the car because, you know, a lot of people that listen to the podcast, people like, you know, you and other people, you know, they're interested to hear about what you do to just tweak your car to make it perfect. And I think I've, I mentioned this once before, you know, like, or maybe I, I, something I want to talk about in the future. It's like, what are those mods, you know, when you get a car, most people, when you buy your Porsche, really the first thing you think about is the wheels. Are they big enough? Should I change the wheels? Sound? What do I have to do to the exhaust? I want some sound. Do I want power out of it? And then suspension. You know, it's those three key things. Were they right. the, yeah, the, no, the things that true. you tackled first, Miguel? Or was it, I know you went, you probably went further than that, but were they the three main things that you changed on your 997 Turbo? I did change each and each and every one of those. Um, but what first I wanted something that I could drive on a track. I wanted to have fun with it on the track. And so as soon as I purchased the vehicle, within a couple months, I was I was on a track with some of my friends. Actually, maybe not in a couple months, maybe about four months later, I was on the track. Uh, once track day season opened up again. And I drove it just the way it rolled off the dealership uh with with i guess what would it be on 10 year old suspension right a 12 yeah 12 year old suspension and yep. and completely original and i wanted to gauge the um, the differences as i incrementally changed the vehicle so usually I just jump right in and I change everything. But this one, I tried to be a little more scientific about it. And of course, it was much more expensive than a Miata. <laughs> and so I couldn't just jump right into spending the money. So yeah. I took it I took it to the track. It was, uh, it's a local track in, Cal in Northern California called Thunder Hill Raceway. And I've been going to this track since 1998. 
Right. So uh, I went to the track, did a few, uh, I did a few sessions with my friends and, and I thought, okay, I had a good time. You know, the Tiptronic is uh, getting used to it, but it was, it was, it was fun. <clears throat> I came back. The next thing I did was I changed the suspension to Bilstein B16 coilovers. Okay. Right. <clears throat> I put the coilovers on, <clears throat> excuse me. And I put a new set of tires on. I, I, I put on the Goodyear F1 supercar tires. Fantastic tires. People don't realize how good those tires are. They're fantastic. Um, went back to the track and had a great time. Uh, my times dropped considerably. Came back home. Within the next few months, I, I put iBox sway bars. I put... Uh, the Wevo solid or semi-solid engine mounts. Yes. And Wevo. Okay. Uh, I yeah. Yeah, and the Wevo. Yeah, I know those. And, yeah. Um, and then I also changed the D. How's it called? DSC. D yes. D yes. DSC. The controller. controller. Yeah, yeah, I changed the controller. I actually no, that did not come yet. Um, after the sway bars, then I went to the track again. I, I and you know the cars just started performing a little bit better on the track. Yep. It was less body roll. It was, it just felt much more stable in the track. <clears throat> then um, I spoke to a gentleman online about the D the DSC controller. Yes. I thought, all right, I'm going to give it a shot. It was a, it was a thousand bucks. Um, I thought, no, let me give it a shot. A lot of people say it's great. Yeah. A lot of people. And do. I put it. Yeah. And have you tried it? You haven't tried no, it? No, I think Steve, Steve has it, I'm pretty sure, yeah. in his GT3. Steve has it on his yeah. 997 GT3, so I, yeah. Yeah, so I had yeah, I had mixed reviews about it. So um, I put it on, and the difference was immediate. I, I noticed it right away. Okay. Uh, I was not I was not keen on, on the way it worked. I oh, noticed really? that. <clears throat> no, no, no. It was, it was very interesting. I noticed that. Slow speed, um, the the steering, the steer, the way it affected the way the car steered on slow speeds like intersections and 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 turn slow speed turns, it made the car very sluggish. Okay. It felt very soft and very numb. There was something about it just felt very numb. Hmm. But once I got on the freeway and once you were up to speed. Then there was a big difference. It felt really nice. But in slow speeds in San Francisco, now I don't notice it anymore because I'm very used to it. But my initial reaction was, this is kind of weird. I'm not sure if I like it or not. Was that, did you, did you do the search after you bought it? And, and was that what the experience that a lot of other people had with the DSC controller? Was that like the, the typical? You know, I, I've, I've heard some people say, yeah, it feels kind of weird uh, at slow speeds. Um, I didn't read those reports. I only read about it after I started researching it more, once I okay. installed it. I mean, it was a very quick install. I, mean, I think it took maybe five minutes at most. It just, you just snap in the module, but it made a big difference to the way the car felt. Yeah, it's one now, of those, it's one of those things, though, sorry, Miguel, it's one of those things, isn't it? DSC controller for the 997 and then what's the other one for 993s, the Steve Wong chip or whatever? Everyone talks when they, when they talk about 993s, they get the Steve, is it Steve Wong or something chip? I always read about that. It's like these two things you always I keep know. reading about like are supposed to be fantastic. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm not familiar with that one again. I, I was out at a Porsche game for so long, so I don't <laughs> know what the 993 uh, modifications were. But yeah, for the 997, the uh, DSC controller, yeah, I would recommend it. It's it's a really nice mod, but in the very beginning, uh, I thought it was a little bit odd. Okay. I, I didn't quite like it. But on the track, it makes know. a big difference? <clears throat> you know, it, again, it's very difficult to say because I was still incrementally changing the car, adjusting different things, adjusting the settings of my, my coilovers and um, changing the settings of my sway bars. And so I was doing a lot of different things. So it's hard to say. Um, but right now, I mean, I just, I was just at the track just last weekend, four days ago, I was at the track and I had a great time with the car. Um, I, you know, my track, my track times with that car are, I, I think they're, they're You're happy decent. With yeah. 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 I'm very happy with it. Yeah. So- I'm not the fastest guy out there. But I'm, I'm very happy with the way the car performs. How do you know, though, for you, though, how did it work for you with the 997, Miguel? Like, do you, how do you know what to do? You know what I mean? Is it just based on your previous experience with all your other cars and your track time that you know that you want to change the engine mounts, that you know what sort of suspension you need? Where are you getting all this information from? Just your previous knowledge or how do you find all this information? Well, you know, a lot of it is, a lot of it is just previous modifications on different vehicles. Uh, it's, it's usually basically the same thing. Uh, but a lot of the a lot of the uh, the more technical information I'm receiving and knowing which which products to buy. Should I buy this brand or should I buy the other brand of the engine mounts? Yes. Um, RSS. A lot, yeah. yeah, a lot of it is uh, either on one of the one of the major forum groups or maybe on a Facebook group, uh, just seeing what people, th- I, I, it's, not a, it's not something people generally talk about. So I'll throw out a question and say, hey, what kind of engine mounts do you guys use? Yes. And lots of people will, will throw, throw their input out. Hey, who uh, uses um, coilovers? And someone will say, oh, I like the KWs. I like the, B- I like the Bilsteins. I like this and that. So I get a lot of people throwing out information without saying, hey, are the Bilsteins any good? Yeah. And then people just want to talk about Bilsteins or they'll yeah. say, oh, well, these are better. So I just throw it out coilovers and people throw out different information. And so that's how I got a lot of my information. See, I was doing that when I was looking at engine mounts, right? Because I knew my when my engine yeah. mounts were changed over thinking, should I just go for stock or should I get RSS or should I get the Wevo ones? And honestly, I found it so confusing. <laughs> When you go and yeah. you start diving yeah. in there, it's like, it's too hard. You're going to hate it. This one's better. The RSS is better. The Wevo's better. You know, and right, it gets to the right. point where I just went, I'm just going to stick with stock for now. I'll just, it's too, yeah. too difficult a decision. And I think a lot of people are like that with their Porsche. It gets to the point where you, it's hard to go. And I like, I like what you said, you know, that the purists will cringe because of all the modifications. Some of the purists will cringe because of the modifications you do and the message to me. Right, right. Because it's like, it's very hard for some people, like even people, like for me, you know what I mean? To go from <clears> the <throat> stock engine mount to go into something like the, the RS, you know, the Wevo or the RSS or whatever. Um, I like how you're not scared to do it. I like how you, you know, you, you, you dive in there. It's, it, it's, it's very good. Well, you know, I think it, it's also, I, I think, I think about, um, all the cars I've gone through and all just di- different life changes and how things can change so quickly in someone's life. I mean, being a firefighter, I, I'm exposed to quite a few 
of life circumstances with the with the people I help on the street. And I realized, geez, just enjoy your life. And I spent so much money on this car. I'm not going to let it sit. I'm just going to enjoy it. It's always going to be worth something. If not monetarily, it, it's going to be worth memories to my kids. Yeah. And we have a good time taking drives down Highway 1. You know, just take a spirited drive down Highway 1. And these are the things that I think are more valuable than than the car being worth $10,000 more. Yeah, true, true. Down the line. I mean, really, it's $10,000 is a lot of money, but it's not. it really is not that much money when it comes down to memories. But I like the way you do it, though, because... The way you do it, my girl, is because you're going to the track so often, you know what I mean? Like I've seen your photos and you send me the messages. You go to the track so often that you know how to tweak the car. You know, like you said, it's incremental, isn't it? You know what I mean? And you see the difference. You think, okay, if I do this, it's going to give me this on the track, which I think is is the way to do it, right? You're getting the benefit out of it, aren't you? You're seeing that benefit when you when you do your next track day. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's that's right. And I enjoy it too. It 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 keeps me thinking about what I might want to do next time. And in California, it's very difficult to do certain types of modifications, right? With motor modifications, it's, it's, it's prohibitive because you need to pass the smog test every two yes. years. Right. So for me, with the turbo, it's got a lot of power. It already has lots of power. So I'm very happy with that. Um, but yeah, I did. I did change the exhaust. I put a fab speed exhaust system, and it has the uh, 200 200 CEL catalytic converters on there. So yeah, it does make a difference. The car did make a big difference. Uh, air filter, uh, small small bolt-ons, but at least it'll still pass smog. Right. And the last thing I want to do is have my car red flagged. Yeah, yeah. Because then it ruins it for. Yeah, throughout the history of the vehicle, it'll always be shown as a red flag vehicle. Right, right. So what else do you want to do to the turbo? Is there anything left to do? Or have you pretty much got it to the point where you're quite happy with it now? I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy. I'm pretty happy with it. It's reliable. Uh, I just had the uh, the dreaded water lines. Uh, oh, really? The, the, yeah, the water <laughs> the line uh, service. I just had to do, they had to cool it lines. Oh my gosh, that was expensive. <clears throat> that was a real pain and. And I read about it. I read about that on, on the forums. Yep. And I was showing the car. I was at a Cars and Coffee one day. And as I as I parked and I walked away from my car, and of course you turn around to look at your car. Yes. And I saw fluid dripping from uh, the back. Really? And I thought, oh my gosh. Right. Is that is that what I've been thinking of uh, what I've been reading about? And sure enough, it was coolant. And I made it back home. I was across the bridge and I made it back home. Yeah. And immediately, immediately uh, prepared to have the, the car worked on. So you had to get, so that's some, um, for the <clears> listeners <throat> that don't know, the coolant lines on the Metzger engines, right? On the turbos and the GT3s, yes. 996s and yes. 997s were used, right. Porsche used some type of glue, right? They used a glue, which doesn't, <laughs> after a period well, it, of time. <laughs> Well, you know, it degrades, it's, it's, right? It's it degrades. It degrades, but at when they applied this glue, I mean, this is the way I, I like to think about it: is when they applied the glue or this adhesive, it really was probably the state of the art at the time, right? Yes. That's it was what was 
mm. the proper thing to do. Yep. Who knows what's going to happen in 10 years? I mean, things happen in 10 years. And how you how you how do you test for something like that? So yeah, and I suppose they could have done uh, different things, uh, like like um, like you know pinning the lines and and welding lines. I guess they could have done that, but it may have been cost prohibitive, or maybe there was a reason why they did not do that. Could be, uh, yeah. but but certainly, yeah. Um, I had the leak, and so I had the service done. I dropped the motor and did everything and. Uh, several thousand dollars later, the car's um, put back together. It doesn't drive any different, but at least it doesn't leak. Yeah, it's very expensive because they got to drop the engine, yeah. don't they? And they so they pin the lines, right? That's what they call it. They pin the lines. Does your you does your water lines. pump? Did your water pump fail as well? Because I, I don't know if you heard I, the recent podcast. Steve's water pump failed on his GT3. Yes. <clears throat> right, water water pump failures. You know, is very difficult to predict. I mean, um, yeah, you can predict it. You can hear a little bit of a. Um, of a rattle on the pulleys. Yes, you can hear it. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I've, I've on different cars. I don't know about the Porsche, okay. about the 997. I'm not sure, but I do know that on some of the other vehicles, that when you you can hear a little bit of a rattle, usually it's that's an indication that the water pump is going. Uh, I was already working on the car, so I I did the water pump. Are you? So you because do the work, are the you car. doing the work yourself on your car, or are you taking yeah, it to a shop? Certain, yeah, certain things I can, and uh, certain <laughs> things I I just don't have the space for in my garage. Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's a small San Francisco garage. So now everything is sorted with the car. Then you've had the the coolant lines are pinned. What else yeah. did you have? To, if the engines drop, was there anything else that you thought? Let's get it done while while it's out. Let's get it done while we're in there. Uh, or was you know, everything okay? one thing I I one thing I should have done, which I did not, was the coil packs. All right. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I should have done that. Uh, not that I'm having any issues, but uh, thinking about it, yeah, I should have done that. That was that was another cost yeah. item that I thought, oh, I'm going to save a little money. I won't do it now, but it has to be done. So yeah, it I does. Should have that's another weak the money into it. Yeah, that's another yeah. weak point, isn't it? I mean, listeners yeah, would have heard yeah, me yeah. speak about yeah. it because I'd had to have it done with my car as well. Yeah, but the Tiptronic. What is the life on the? What is the life on Tiptronics? That's the, the question. Because I know that, that I don't it's, know. I have yeah. not read any failures, right? Except for the folks who really modify the car to right. serious serious horsepower numbers, and then I I've read some failures. But uh, with a with a with a fairly stock motor, I don't think there should be yeah. any issues. The only story I've heard about is that Magnus Walker story that he told, where he bought that turbo s from auto Canal or whatever it was okay. and he it had one hundred and sixty thousand miles on this turbo s and the pdk mm-hmm. had already been changed and i think he made the point that it was something like a twenty thousand dollar bill whoever had changed it beforehand like he had the right paperwork. but that's pdk P- songs different yeah now. the pdk actually um i've heard uh i've heard several stories about the first generation of the pdk would there have been issues and I think first generations on, on anything, there's always issues. Uh, one of my friends, he has a first generation PDK and something broke internally in the transmission. But in order to repair that, they need to repair a large portion of this PDK because they right. don't sell just a small portion. So now his car has been down for about a year Wow! until he sources a used PDK. Wow. Uh, entire transmission. Wow. Yeah, so yeah, there's 
you know, horror stories everywhere. I mean, it's this, you got the coolant lines, you got the PDK issues. Yeah. This, it's but just, they can be fixed. They can uh, be fixed. Yeah, it's it just can. the cost. It and it's, it's part not, of the game. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Really exactly. Part of the game, yeah. So what about, um, you, you know, you go into all these track days on in, with your 997 Turbo. What about the motorcycles? Are you still driving the motorcycles? Are you still taking them out on the, on the twisties and riding them? I, yeah, I do. I still do track days on my motorcycle. Actually, I have a really nice motorcycle I purchased in 1990. It was my first new bike. Uh, it's, an, it's a Yamaha FZR 400. Okay. And that's it. It's a, it's a small little bike. It puts out about 58 horsepower, but it's very light and it's very nimble. It's, it was, it was quite the, it was a class leading motorcycle when it was introduced. And so I've held on to it since 1990 wow is that um, that's a girl is that the yellow one on your yeah. that's the yellow one on your instagram isn't it that's the yellow one oh it's yes, a beautiful it, yeah, originally beautiful it, yeah that, that that actually has different bodywork now i've changed all the bodywork and i've changed the suspension to uh modern r6 suspension so i've done all that um but the motor is basically stuck fantastic and i'm just going to tell the listeners oh, yeah. again your instagram so they can have a look at that image it's um at Cal, it's CalSpeed. Instagram is just at it's just CalSpeed. C A L S P E E D. Have a look at the uh, Instagram because there's also pictures of uh, Miguel's turbo on there. I really like the decals you put on too. It looks good. The bonnet, yeah. the bonnet trim, and the uh, oh, thank you. Yeah, it looks very, very good. And you've you've also got lobsters on in one picture too. I didn't know you I, had the lobsters. I thought you had other wheels on there at one stage. Oh, you got the turbo wheels, I, haven't you? I did. It came with the turbo wheels, right? Um, but I was just never a fan of those wheels. I understand that they're, they're the premium wheel. I understand that. And a few people have pointed it out to me. I said, why are you getting rid of the turbo wheels? I said, well, I just don't like the way it looks. It's just not like my them. thing. No, yeah, so look- I picked up the lobster. Mm. Yeah, I, I, and I really like how the lobsters look on there. They look good, but I have to say those turbo wheels, and I know other people have said that to me, mm-hmm. they don't like that. It's the polished sort of black inside, right? The turbo wheel. I don't know if you yes, know what the name yes, of it is. Yes, that's right. That's but on right. your car, because your car has such a great stance, like it must be the, the suspension upgrades you've done. Your car has such a great stance to it. Um, but it does look good with the, the lobsters. a different look for a turbo to have lobsters on it. But it's a really, uh, you know, you've done a lot of, you've done a great job with the decals. I really like them. Is that to protect it on the track as well? Is that why you've got them on there? Yeah, initially that was the reason why I put I put the vinyl on the hood to protect it from uh, from chips because I did get a couple chips on the hood from right. road trips. Yeah, just just driving a car, I got a couple chips. So I thought, all right, well, if I'm going to do that, I might as well just have fun with it. Absolutely. But and, I did the um, vinyl. Yeah, I did the vinyl. Yeah, no, it looks. Sorry, I'm just looking at your Instagram now. It looks really, really good. Who's the friend that owns a Ferrari in your driveway? Is that in your driveway? Oh, it's a, it's a fellow firefighter. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah, fellow firefighter. <laughs> You've never owned a yeah. Ferrari? No, I haven't. I haven't. And it's not that I don't like them. It's just I think the maintenance will be a little bit much for me. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. So what else then? So what, you know, you've got the couple of things I want to ask you. First, you said before you, you don't have Michelin tires. You didn't get Michelin tires. Is there a reason why you didn't go with Michelin? Because Porsche guys are usually Michelin guys, right? It's sort of we always follow the Michelin sort of thing. Was there a reason why you didn't go with Michelin? Well, uh, I think the main reason was because I wanted to see what the others, what other tires are out there. And then right. once I, then I'll put on the Michelins. Uh, if I go straight to the Michelins, I, I might be biased. So I, 
I tried out the um, Goodyear F1 supercar tires. Right. Fantastic tires. I, I was I was shocked at how good they were, but they don't have much of a tread wear. Uh, I think I got three thousand miles out of it, <clears throat> and I can't afford to buy yeah. tires after three thousand <laughs> miles. <laughs> I had two track days out of it, and and a, and a road trip, and that was about it. And right now, I'm running with the Continentals. Right. Okay. I what extreme sport or something like that, and. I've got four track days on it right now. Wow. And yeah, four track days and a couple of road trips down to LA, all the way down Highway 1. Um, yeah, and I still have quite a bit of tread. And I turned my fastest lap times. That's pretty good, last isn't weekend. it? So That's good. I'm, I'm very happy with the Continentals. Yeah, actually, I'm, uh, I was going to try the, the Michelins probably next. Uh, it might be at the end of summer. But I'm very happy with the Continentals. You have to think about this, don't you? The consumables when you're doing track yeah. days. How about the brakes? How much? How hard has it been on your brakes? Have you had to change your brakes very since you've yeah, had the car? I just, I, yeah, actually, um, the car currently has sixty-five thousand miles on it. I picked yep. it up when it had forty-three thousand miles three yep. years ago. So yeah, I've put I put over twenty thousand miles, and <clears throat> I just replaced the rotors uh, last week, just before right. the track event. Okay. So I replaced all four rotors and and pads. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Well, I use street pads because I don't want loud, squeaky brakes. Yes. yes. I use street pads. All right, Miguel. We're almost at the end. We like to yeah. keep, as you know, I like to keep these under an hour, a bit over an hour, but that's okay. But let's talk about, um, okay. let's talk about favorite drives. Let's talk about the if someone's coming to San Francisco and they're bringing their 911 or their sports car. Well, or they want to hire uh, yeah, a sports car. Where would where would you say to drive? And I know you said that you were you were thinking about doing an adventure touring business, weren't you? Didn't you say something to me in one of your messages? You were thinking about doing some some business, or was that uh, that that may have been someone else? I'm was not it? sure of that. Yeah. Okay. Um, I do a lot of adventure motorcycling. Oh, I right, do, adventure motorcycling. I do do that. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I'm yeah, but uh, if if someone were to come to California. Uh, it's pretty obvious highway one is, is, is quite, quite the event, uh, just driving the entire coastline from San Francisco to Los Angeles or Los Angeles to San Francisco. Right. Uh, it's, it's a one day, you can do it in one day, but it's, it would be nice to do it as a two day event. Um, otherwise you head into the Sierras in, in, in California, we're quite blessed with so many uh, wonderful roads. You know, and and for the most part, the pavement is pretty decent, unless you're in the cities. Uh, so, usually for a a day trip, I might head into the Sierras, go to the top of the Sierras, and right back down in one day. It's a, about a 500 mile day. Fantastic, fantastic. Do you usually yeah, pick yeah. the? Um, do you usually pick if you're driving, if you're if you're taking your bike out, taking a bike out for a ride on the road? Do you usually pick the same roads that you pick for the Porsche? I I. Typically do, yeah. But uh, yeah. with a motorcycle, because I have an adventure bike, uh, some of the roads can be a little bit more rough. So I right. wouldn't take the Porsche there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But no, for the most part, yeah, I, I take the Porsche. Uh, I take the Porsche pretty much everywhere, unless the roads are horrible. The suspension won't, yeah. you know, won't, won't compromise. And yeah, but I do take the car quite a bit. I, I I'm not sure how many more track events I'm going to do with the car because I. It's becoming 
such I guess, you know, I hate to say it, it's coming such a valuable car and I'm not sure if I could ever afford <laughs> exactly. another Porsche. And I'm not sure how many more <laughs> events I want to do with the vehicle. Whoa. Uh, I, I enjoy it, but uh, I think my... Yeah. I think, the turbo, <laughs> the turbo, you, it's, you bought it at, the, at, the, at that point, didn't you? You know, whether it be a manual yeah. turbo, and I was speaking to, you know, Amanda who was on a couple of owner stories ago, she had the manual and they, they gave it up and bought their Spider, right? But, and she said the same thing. The value just went, it went crazy very, very quickly. Um, and right. I, yeah, it's funny. I, I monitored, I, I look at the prices on online, like bring a trailer and, and Doug DeMuro's site. You see the different, I see the prices and it's, it's kind of ridiculous. Um, yes. I mean, yeah, the car's worth it. The car's worth it. It's a funny thing. I say bring a trailer also because um, the founder of bring a trailer, Randy Nonnenberg, he was my neighbor. Oh, <laughs> we really? lived a couple. We co- lived a couple blocks away from each other. Oh wow! And uh, on my way to work, uh, I would drive past his house, and I didn't. This is a, f- a few years ago, quite a few years ago, and I would pass by his house, and I, I would see a Porsche parked on the street in front of his house. And it said BAT across the front windshield. I thought, wait a minute, I wow. recognize that. And and so one day I saw him. Uh, I saw him in front of his house, and I said, "Hey, bring a trailer." And he says, "You know about that?" And I said, "Yeah." And then we started chatting. And well, BAT now is where it is. Yeah. But this was quite a few years ago when he lived uh, just a couple blocks away from me. I, I bet he has really, a few yeah, really more Porsches. Nice I bet he has a few more Porsches today than he yeah. did then. <laughs> yeah, he always had a pretty neat car parked in front of the house. Fantastic. Uh, really nice guy. Miguel, we're almost at the end. We're at the end. Is there anything else um, Is there anything else you'd like to um, share with the listeners before we go? Um, no, I, I, I think we pretty much covered everything. Yeah, I'm, uh, if ever in San Francisco, if anyone is visiting San Francisco, feel free to send me a message on my Instagram. I'm always available to show people around or take a drive. I'm, I'm very open to that. I like to keep my door open for that. Yeah. Fantastic. I'll be doing that if I'm in San Francisco, Miguel. You can count on it. Yeah, certainly. certainly. <laughs> All right, Miguel. Um, thank you so much for being on Owner Stories today. Um, it's great to have you on. Sorry it took so long, um, but it's been, it's been great. Thank you so much for sharing your story. No, it was my pleasure. Thank you too. Yeah, and congratulations on, on where this is, where the journey that this has taken. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. All right, everyone. Uh, that's Miguel coming in from San Francisco in the US. Um, Instagram at CalSpeed and also CalSpeed.com. Miguel, is that right? Yeah, that's the motorcycle shop. Motorcycle shop Which is I CalSpeed. I still do some side shop. Yeah. Side shop. <laughs> but Instagram, <laughs> have a look at the Instagram. It's CalSpeed uh, and, and give Miguel a follow. Tell him you heard his story on Owner Stories um, and check out his. 997, he's got lots of images on, on, on the Instagram of his 997. 997.1 Turbo, Tiptronic, it's a track car, it's his long-distance tourer, and it's also a daily driver. Um, it's a really good, really good-looking car, and, you know, it's a great story. All right, everyone, thanks for listening to the Porsche Cool Podcast. Bye for now.